The reading this morning is from Matthew, it's chapter 5, verse 3 to 16. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they were persecuted, the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good. Uh, well, just to start, it's a, just such an honour to be sharing with you this morning. And um, thank you, James and Lou, for the opportunity to, to speak. Um, and before I do, I'd love to pray. Uh, <clears throat> so, Father, we, we just we thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, Jesus, we thank you. You are present in our midst. And we honour your presence. And I ask, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak, to articulate uh, that which you put on my heart, and that your words would bring life in our hearts this morning. Any words that are not of you would fall to the ground. And that, Lord God, you continue to minister to each one of us, uh, even through this time, that even healing uh, would be released. And that you continue to open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name. So as James said, we're starting this new series um, called His Kingdom and His Righteousness, looking at uh, the, the teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. And um, just by way of, of background, um, the, the preceding chapter in chapter four, um, just to give you the, the kind of the run-up to what's prompted this, this huge message that Jesus gives, of which we're just going to be looking at a couple of points you'll, you'll be glad to know this morning. But... It's, chapter 4 starts off with the temptation of Jesus. Jesus comes out of the wilderness, and he 
begins his earthly ministry. He begins to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And on the back of that, there are signs and wonders. People are being healed. Physical illnesses, diseases are being healed. Mental illnesses, demonic oppression, demonic possession. People are being set free, delivered. Just absolute holy chaos in a way. And this, you know, the likes of which have never been seen from the beginning of the time, from, from the creation of the world, people are being released and healed and set free in a way that is drawing multitudes. Crowds are coming from miles around. They're bringing their sick to be healed and, and wanting to hear um, what Jesus has to say. And <clears throat> it's from this position, it says, Jesus seeing the multitudes, uh, he, he goes up on a mountain and he begins to teach. And this is the, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and we're just going to be looking at the beginning uh, of this, starting with these eight blessings that Jesus lists. And they're called in the Bible, in most of our Bibles, I think it, they'll be titled the Beatitudes. And Beatitude just simply means uh, supremely blessed. So these are eight blessings that, that Jesus lists. And just as a, as a kind of, well, I found it a humorous uh, point, but Danny and I got to go to... Um, Danny's my wife, I don't know if introduced, we lead the KFC together. Um, but we got to go to Israel a few years ago and visit, there's a church called the Church of the Beatitudes. Has anyone been? I'm sure someone, yes, there we go. So there's, there's a beautiful garden <clears throat> by this church, and in the midst of the garden there's this very elaborate fountain, and um, by the fountain there's a sculpture of a, of a Bible that's opened. <clears throat> and it says, written on that, it says, let anyone who thirsts come to me where anyone who believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water flow from within. And the proximity of this right in front of the fountain and the, the fact that it doesn't actually quote Jesus saying that, it just says, anyone who thirsts, come to me and drink. Um, I'd imagine provided some confusion for the various pilgrims and probably uh, language issues, but they obviously had to clarify it because then they had a little sign next to it saying, water not for drink. Uh, so <laughs> just for the, the, the purposes of this message, uh, Jesus is the one that we come to to drink, and it's from him, believing in him, uh, that the, the rivers of living water will flow from within. So we, we, we start this, um, the, this uh, sermon really with Jesus listing eight blessings, eight characteristics, and um, eight blessings that go with it. And these, these um, blessings are describing kingdom culture. And that's what the, the title of this message is, for those that are interested, um, are just the blessings of the kingdom culture. And these characteristics, as we read through them, as we read through these blessings, these aren't necessarily blessings that would be recognized as such in our culture, or in fact in many cultures of the world. And the same would have been the case uh, in, in the, the, the culture that Jesus was speaking into. In fact, a lot of these, um, these characteristics and blessings would be diametrically opposed to what the world would, would count as actually a good characteristic. For example, the world celebrates self-sufficiency um, and, 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 and self-ability, whereas Jesus says, actually, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those, and that, that term, poor in spirit, um, it, it's, it means for those who, who have and recognize their absolute need for a savior. 
who recognize that they're utterly dependent upon God to, to live this life, particularly as, as we become Christians, we recognize the only way we can do it is through being empowered by him. And so Jesus is, is, is setting this, these, 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 uh, this culture and these lists of blessings for us to, to, to live by. And as we know in the, in the world, there are various cultures um, so the British culture, we have our own quirks, our own eccentricities. You go to another culture, uh, and, and they'll have their own value system that can very often even be um, opposite to, to British culture. And we can even find that in churches. Churches often, I've been in different churches, churches have different culture. But what Jesus is, is saying is, that's great that you have your culture. This is kingdom culture. This is the way that I'm calling you to live. So even the good stuff and the great things in our culture, Jesus is actually setting uh, an example uh, and laying out an example of what kingdom culture looks like on a character level. But as we read through these, and actually just, just actually one thing on that, just to define cultures as we're, we're speaking on it, um, I found a great definition which says that, that culture is learned patterns of perception values and behaviors shared by a group of people. And that is what Jesus is speaking into here, that, that he is teaching his followers these patterns of perception, values and behaviors based on kingdom principle. And as we read through these eight characteristics, um, the, 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 um, well, the, the premise of which is that God wants his people blessed and so each characteristic is listed with a blessing. And this, this word um, uh, blessed in, in the Greek is a word um, makarios that means supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, happy. It's good. This is a good thing. These are good things. These are blessings. These are, uh, will, will be good for us both in this life and, and, and in the next. And God's desire, first and foremost, for us as, as his children, is that we live blessed and that we live um, lives and, and are able to, to, to receive the blessings that he has for us. So he starts off with this, this blessing, blessed are the poor in spirit. And as I've said, th- this is this position of recognizing our absolute dependence on God, casting aside our self-sufficiency and seeking God's grace, seeking his empowering, his, his um, enabling power. And um, I guess a uh, a fun illustration maybe at times is as a dad, um, our youngest who's one turning two in a couple of months, um, understandably this is a developmental thing, but previously we've been able to like, put his pyjamas on and, and, and he recognized his utter dependence on dad to do that. We're, we're kind of reaching a stage now where actually he, he wants to do it himself through many squawks and screams if we try. So. What we'll, we'll try and do, we'll leave the pajamas with him, uh, give him a few minutes, and he might get his legs through the arms of his pajama top, he might get his pajama trousers on his head or stuck, and then screams for us to come and help him again. And, you know, while it's a kind of a silly example, you know, spiritually we can get ourselves into that kind of spiritual equivalent of having our pajama trousers stuck on our head before we cry out to God, God, I, I realize I can't do this, I, I, I need you, I need your help. And so often, because we're in a culture that celebrates self-sufficiency and ability, we can try and, okay, God, I've got this, I can do this. Um, And as a loving father, he's like, okay, go for it. And 
And it's only then when we realize when we try and we fail spectacularly that we are completely and utterly dependent upon him and his enabling power. And when we look through the, the Old Testament and we see these heroes of the faith, King David, who is incredibly blessed, incredibly influential, powerful leader, he himself said, you know, this poor man cried out, the Lord delivered me from my troubles. He, he he recognized this utter dependence upon God in the role that he was fulfilling. And the leadership that he carried, he was utterly dependent upon God. And so through from Moses and Joshua and the judges and the prophets and the kings, we see this, this um, same pattern of this recognition of absolute dependence upon God. And also we see examples where, particularly with some of the kings, where they didn't have that. And they did things in their own strength and things went spectacularly wrong. Um, so, just it's interesting that that's the starting blessing that Jesus gives in this list. Um, that poor in spirit is is almost the, the qualification for being here. That it says those who are poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and that is our promise. That is our that is our portion. And in standing here, we recognise as Christians our absolute need for a saviour in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to go through each of the blessings because we'd be here a while, but I just want to pick out a couple to just speak on. And the next one, actually, it's the second one in this list. But it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And while mourning speaks of the grief and of the loss of loved ones and those dear to us, I believe here it's also speaking of the mourning and the grief and the sorrow that comes from from the, the, uh, the sin in our lives, from the wrong things that we've done, the, the right things that we haven't done, the things that we've spoken that have caused hurt, the, the attitudes, and even the time that we've squandered, the time that we've wasted. And with that, and part of that process is a mourning, is a grieving, of a, is a sorrow. And Jesus says, we'll be comforted. And it actually says in, in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, it says, for godly grief or godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. And going back to, 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 to chapter 4 in, um, in the, the chapter preceding this, in fact, even before that, John the Baptist, he is preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then interesting, where Jesus comes out of the temptation in the wilderness, it says, hearing that John had been put in prison, he begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same message, he takes it on himself, and he's, repent, he's, he's preaching on, on repentance. This is the gospel of the kingdom. And so often that word repent, it's not a word that we, we necessarily use much in our, in our day-to-day conversations, in, our, in our, our, our normal lives. And it can have quite a negative association or connotation, and it sounds like quite a heavy word. And yet, it's actually a, it's a beautiful word. What it, it means is to change our hearts, to change our minds, to choose to go in a different direction, to lay down our values, to lay down the things that we have may, maybe held dear previously, and instead to surrender our hearts to Jesus, to what he says, and particularly in this, this description of culture where we have our, our, and we've grown up into, and, and often we don't even recognize 
some of the values that we carry and hold dearly to, we don't recognize that they are a British culture thing until you go and spend some time in another cult country and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't, you know, you might be rubbing up against different opinions. And, and often because we've grown up in a culture from dot, but in, in repenting, we get to lay down our affinities and even these values to the highest value, the highest truth that is Jesus and these, these kingdom cultural values that he's laying out. And in repenting, again, rather than it being a heavy thing, we get to turn from these things that actually lead, in, lead to death. And instead, we're turning to these things that bring abundant life in Jesus Christ. And so even reading this list of, of blessings, we get to, to go, oh, what? that's the highest blessing. These are the, these are the characteristics. This is the truth that is going to bring abundant life. And in that place uh, of, of, um, yeah, of, of repentance and, and even previously in this place of, of humility in this place of being weak in spirit. As children of God, we get to stand here, and and it says in Joel, you know, let the weak say, I'm strong. And so it's only in that place of surrender to him, in in turning away from our ability, turning away from, from our strength to his, that we can say that, and we are then empowered by the very strength of the king. And uh, the, the next uh, blessing that I just wanted to, to, to just pick out was the, the second to last one, the seventh one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. And in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says that, that God who, who reconciled himself, uh, us to himself through Christ, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And that as, as children of God, we have been brought into this family that we can call God Father. And then as children of God, we get to go and find other children, other brothers and sisters, and we get to introduce them to God the Father. This, this, this ministry of peacemaking, of reconciliation, of drawing people uh, into relationship with the Father. And it says that in, as, as the blessing that comes with that, we are, we are children of God. And then directly following that, um, which I don't believe is by accident, and in fact, nothing in the Bible is is by accident, but it then goes on to say, consequently, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he then even goes on to make it personal and take it beyond there. So all of these these blessings are very much blessed as this group of people, blessed, blessed, blessed. And then it, 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 Jesus continues and makes it even, even more personal. And he says, he says, blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. And when we're in, the, in this place of, of looking to reconcile people to God the Father, we're going to find brothers and sisters who are lost, who want to stay lost. And there can often be hostility when, because they don't want to be introduced to a savior. They don't, they don't want Jesus. They don't understand the kingdom value. They're quite happy in the value system that they have. And, and as such, that is when we can see persecution, we can see hostility. 
But in the same token, they're also our brothers and sisters who are lost, who desperately want to be found and don't even know that they're lost. And so, yes, there may be persecution as we, as we operate in our true identity as children of God, <clears throat> but there's also extraordinary blessing in seeing our brothers and sisters brought to Jesus, brought to the King. <clears throat> and, and in that position, um, Jesus then goes on to say and give a couple of examples and analogies for what we're like as his kids. And he uses these two, these two um, statements. One, saying, you are the salt of the earth. And one, you are the light of the world. And salt, we can just add a little bit of salt to a meal. Just a, a pinch of salt. And this proportionally, a, a tiny amount of salt, but it brings the flavor out. It brings the flavor out of this food. And salt is also a preservative. But as children of the king, as we get to live our lives in this world, we get to bring the flavor out in our businesses, in our, in our schools, in our communities, in our families, in our friendships. We get to bring the, the, the flavor out. And in fact, in, in, in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, Conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, making the most of your time. Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. And so every opportunity that we have with someone that doesn't know Jesus, every interaction, every conversation is an opportunity for us to demonstrate this kingdom culture through these characteristics that they might be introduced to Jesus himself. And one of the fun things that I only learned this week in researching, you know, what, what does salt do to the flavor of food? Um, <clears throat> why, does it make, why does it enhance the flavor? And it's, it does two things um, to, to the, the flavor of food. One, it enhances sweetness, which might, it's slightly counterintuitive, but salt actually enhances sweetness. And the other thing that it does is it suppresses bitterness. And these these qualities of salt, which is what Jesus likens us to, is that as we go out into the world, we get to enhance sweetness through what Jesus has given us and through his life in us. But we also get to suppress bitterness and the pain that people are experiencing and that all the things that life brings. We get to bring a hope into that situation. So we are the salt of the earth. And the, the next one that Jesus, next um, illustration that Jesus uses is that we're the light of the world. And if I'd stood up here at the beginning of the service and said, hi, I'm, I'm James and I am the light of the world, I, I, I'd probably have got, I don't know, a bit of derision, maybe a few shouts, maybe people walk out. But, but that's the reality. Jesus, the light of the world, he said, I'm the light of the world, you're the light of the world. He set his Holy Spirit inside each one of us and, and released us into the world to, to shine. And the same as with salt, you need a, a, a pinch of salt, a small amount of salt to influence a huge meal or a huge pot of food. Likewise, you can light a smallest candle in a dark room and the room is lit up. That is the influence we have. We shine because we are filled with the Spirit of God. We, we get to shine, and he gets to shine through us. And he shows us even how we can do that. And in verse um, 
I think it's verse 16, uh, the last verse, it, it says, so uh, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And that's practical. You know, we believe in Jesus. We, 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 we know that he's Lord and Savior, but Jesus is speaking just beyond a belief system. He's talking about character. He's talking about the way that we live and the actions, the, what we, the way that we talk and the way that we conduct ourselves. And here it says, people will see, um, see our good works and they will give glory to, to, to God the Father in heaven. As we take each opportunity, as we show mercy, as we show love, kindness, we're generous in, in our time with what we have, with our, our, our conversation, um, it says that people will see these good works and they will give glory to our Father in heaven. And in that process, that some might come to know him as their father and that some would, would come to know him uh, as, as uh, their Lord. And every single interaction that we have as children of God is an opportunity for people to see our good works and to glorify Father in heaven. Every single interaction is an opportunity for them to be introduced to Jesus by the way that we live. And through this passage, we can see that God wants us blessed. He's given us a pattern of, of what Values and, the, and as we'll, we'll see as we continue this series on the Sermon of the Mount, but the values that he is looking to establish and impart into our lives, these characteristics that we would be blessed, but he also wants other people blessed too. And we get to play a part of that, to take this blessed position that we have and by aligning our hearts, by aligning our beliefs, our heart attitudes, our speech, our actions with what with Jesus, with what he declares as truth, and as this kingdom culture that he is establishing, we get to be ambassadors for this kingdom culture in the cultures that we're then sent out to in the world as salt and light that others too would know this blessing that Jesus has purposed for us and purchased for us. So I just want to finish with a moment uh, just to, to reflect on these eight blessings. I'm going to read them out in a moment. Um, and that we can maybe, we can close our eyes, that we can be silent and allow them to speak to us. And there may be some that we, we wrestle with. We're like, actually, I'm not there. Or that's, that's, you know, that's really difficult. Or I'm struggling with that. And, and that we just allow Jesus to, to minister, and Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and, and our minds. And just really to finish, again, going back to chapter 4, before this all started, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it said that Satan took Jesus up onto a mountain. It said that he showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said, bow down to me, worship me, and, and I'll give this to you. And by implication, he's saying, you, you bow down to me, and you'll be blessed in the world's sense of blessing. You'll have favor, you'll be happy, you've got all this stuff, you'll, you'll have the kingdoms of the world, this is blessing. And Jesus' response to him was, now get away from me. It says in the Bible, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Cut forward to the next chapter, Jesus takes his disciples up onto a mountain and instead affirms and reaffirms the true blessing of the kingdom. He affirms what the kingdom, the characteristics are that will 
promote and enable us to live in the fullness of, of this blessing. And that in that process, is as we worship Jesus, we become what we worship. We become like what we worship. So even though you may be struggling with, with some of these, we get, as we worship Jesus, as we exalt him in our hearts, as we exalt him in our lives, we become more like him. And Jesus embodied and personified every single one of these eight characteristics. As you read through every single one of these, Jesus lived by and lived out. And as we worship him, as we set our eyes on him, as we exalt him, we will see the same. We will see that transformation of heart and aligning of our attitudes, our our, our characteristics will become more and more like him. And we will see this kingdom culture that he has established and is establishing through the kingdoms of the world, through our lives and the way that we get to live with him. So let's, let's just um, close our eyes a moment. I just, as I said, I just want to read through these, these blessings again um, before handing over to James. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.